0: Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is our lesson two of our Beauty of Grace series. Now, in the last episode, I mentioned that this would be a short series, but I think the Lord has changed that up on me, and it's not going to be too awful short, but We will have several lessons that are going to be good, solid lessons, and I'm going to try to make each one of them fairly short so that they really focus and hone in on that particular element about grace. So even though there may be several sessions, Lord willing, they they each will be fairly short and not very lengthy. So I trust that this is going to be a powerful series and you're going to truly benefit from it in so many eternal ways. To God be the glory for it all. Well welcome and I'm so glad you joined in. Let's get going in lesson two of our Beauty of Grace series. Lesson two I'm calling the cost of grace. The cost of grace refers us to the debt of sin that has to be repaid or paid for. Lesson one established for us that there is a debt that every human being owes. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is not one that is perfect. There is not one of us that can offer to God a ransom or any form of righteousness that could cover our debt of sin. And we saw that when we concentrated on the cause for grace in lesson one. When we saw and took a deep dive look into the rebellion and fall of mankind that activated sin and its debt, its wages. Sin carries a price tag sin is against God. If you'll remember in Psalm 51, David makes that very clear, and he says, against you and you only have I sinned. Now, he had murdered Uriah, and he had committed adultery with Bathsheba, Uriah's wife. So he had sinned against other people, but what he was saying was ultimately sin is always against god it may involve other people and there may need to be repentance restitution etc but sin ultimately is against god we're all born with a sinful nature we're born into sin our nature since adam and eve fell is to sin we see that in little children very easily because they they don't have to learn to be selfish. They're automatically selfish. It's part of that sinful nature. They are loved and they are lovingly taught by parents that love them not to be that way and to learn to overcome that and so forth. But truly, without repentance and salvation, everyone is under their sinful nature, period. We've all been placed under this curse, so to speak, with a high debt. The wages of sin is death, and it's not just any death. It would be eternally being separated from God because we could never gain access to God through our own works, even if we tried our best. There's no way we can pay sin's high cost It is impossible. There's not enough money in the world. It's not for sale. There's not enough good deeds in the world. It can't be bought through righteous acts. All people are under a serious debt of sin, and every one of us are in desperate, desperate need, whether we realize it or not. So what is this cost that we're talking about in this particular episode. I want to read and start us out again with Genesis chapter two, verse 15 through 17. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Death was activated when Adam and Eve sinned. In that very day, death became activated because the wages of sin is death. Now God gave them reprieve for a while. He blessed them. He populated the earth through them through their children, beginning, the population, etc. But death was already placed upon them. The curse of death was activated when they sinned. The Bible tells us more about this cost that is associated with our sin and the need for grace. I want to next go into Romans chapter 3 and I want to read I'm going to begin the reading in verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks, or Gentiles, that they are all under sin. As it is written, and then he quotes some of the Psalms, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb with their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Then I want to jump down to verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul establishes here, everybody is in the same boat, all guilty before the holy God, having sinned and in desperate need, because the cost of sin is too high for us to pay on our own. He says this in verse 23 of Romans chapter six. I'm only gonna read the first part at this time and I'll reserve the whole of the verse for later. For the wages of sin is death. Total, eternal separation from God, separation from all that is good in a place of torment called hell. That's what the death is that it's talking about. And it is eternal and it is irreversible. In Psalm chapter 49, I want to read a few verses, beginning in verse 6. Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their souls is costly, and it shall cease forever. I want to stop the reading right there for this moment. God demands a ransom for the redemption of mankind's souls. God made us a living soul when he breathed life into us. We're made in the image of God. God made us, as we saw in the last episode, to have relationship with him. That's his desire. But there's a big problem now because mankind has sinned and cannot in a sinful condition under the curse and debt of sin and of the wages of sin have a relationship with the holy God, not unless the ransom is paid for their souls. This ransom is the kopher in the Hebrew, and it's talking about a cover or a redemptive price, a redemption price. It reminds us of the similarities maybe with a hostage type situation. People, when they sin, in a sense, become hostage. They become in bondage to sin and become slaves of sin. But God's law demands the ransom that must be paid for those who are held in bondage to sin and slavery. We can also describe it this way, that when mankind sinned, man and woman sinned, the devil obtained, so to speak, a key of death and hell. He got it when man fell in Genesis chapter three. But in the scriptures you will see it is not a permanent hold that the devil has. Because there came a day when he had to give up that key. And now there's a new key owner. There's somebody else who holds that key. The devil didn't get it permanently, but he did get it for a season. There's a ransom required to be paid to God for the release and setting free of these slaves, of the devil, of these slaves, of these hostages, if you want to call them that because of the demands of God's word, a ransom had to be paid. Psalm 49 here makes that very clear. And he also says that this ransom is costly. It's heavy. It's valuable. It's like a rare coin's price or value. In other words, the ransom for the redemption of people ain't cheap, we might say. It's not cheap, and not just anybody can ever do it. He says here, right here in Psalm 49, that even if you had all kinds of money, you can't buy this. There is no solution that can be bought or earned, but there is a solution, and that's the good news that will be developed in the next lessons, and so on. According to the ancient Jewish wedding custom that we now are more and more familiar with through many of the Jewish people, they would enter in, when they chose the the bride that they wanted, the groom and the bride would enter into a marriage contract called a ketubah. There were several terms in that ketubah that were listed, but one of the most, if not the most important, and valuable term in there was the declaration by the groom of what they called the mohar, the bride price. What this did was it established the value that the groom gave to his bride. In other words, saying how much he valued her and how much she was worth to him, to have as his wife. Now, this is not like some property. He's not buying her as property to use or abuse her. It's not like that at all. But rather, what this did was it told of her worth and her high value to him. He had to be willing and able to pay this high price. And he established what he valued her to be. So now I want us to see the cost of grace that the scriptures tell us about. And to do that, I want us to read in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 7, and read through verse 21. It says this, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's talking about enduring trials and temptations and testings, whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation, The prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, You also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. So Peter is telling us here, that the prophets prophesied about all of these things, that they searched, they they longed to know when and how this was all going to come about. And it wasn't revealed to them at that time. It was reserved for us to understand. And God has revealed it now. And we've not been redeemed with corruptible things because Psalm 49 has already told us none of those things are enough to pay the ransom. Not one of them, none of them, can pay the ransom that God demanded in his law. There's only one thing that could pay the ransom, and it's the one thing that redeems everyone who comes to Jesus in simple faith. It is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. As of a lamb without blemish, and without spot, And as we talked about last week, he was ordained before the foundation of the world. Before he ever created Adam and Eve, he already knew the whole thing, exactly how it was going to play out, because he knows the end from the beginning. And he still said, yes, I'll go. I'll pay the ransom with my blood. That's how valuable Each one of them is to me. That's the value and the worth that every single person carries in my sight. That's what Jesus was saying. The precious blood of Jesus is valuable, costly, and beloved. I want to go back now to Romans in chapter 6. I want to read verse 23 entirely. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift that God gives, this free gift to you and I of grace he will give to all who will believe. It cost God everything. It cost God his own son. It cost Jesus his life, but he willingly did it. In Genesis chapter 22, we see where Abraham is called to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice. God never expected and would have approved of a human sacrifice, but this was just a test of Abraham's faith and a revelation to all of us to see the Father's point of view of what Father God was going to do and allow to be done to his own son because he did it for us. He was sacrificing his own son on our behalf to pay our sin debt. We see in Genesis chapter 22, the Father's experience there. In the Gospels, however, is where we see the Son's experience to offer Himself. First, we see in Gethsemane the preparation, how He prayed and He did beg God. He did ask the Lord, the Father, if there was any other way that He would not have to endure this type of suffering. But there was no other way. And so he willingly said, not my will, but thine be done. And he followed through with what he knew he had to do. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus endured the shame and endured the cross, and he despised the shame of it, but yet he followed through. In the Gospels, we see his experience in giving his life's blood for you and for for me. Even on the cross, Jesus cried, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they've done. They don't have the revelation of the cost of the debt of sin that they've incurred. Forgive them. Release it for them, because I'm now offering to you my blood as payment in full for their debt of sin. As a matter of fact, when Jesus cried out, it is finished, in the Greek, one of the ways that that can literally be translated is paid in full. The debt of sin, paid in full. Jesus gave himself up for you and for me. He died in humiliation. He died in shame. He died in mockery. He died as if he were guilty of a crime, but in reality, it was our sin debt that he bore. The prophet Isaiah makes that very clear. In Isaiah chapter 53, beginning in verse 3, he says this, he, meaning Jesus, speaking of the suffering servant, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we, hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, So he opened not his mouth. He died in our stead. Our sin was placed upon him. The iniquity of us all, Isaiah said. All of the whole debt of sin of every person in the world was placed upon him at that cross. And he died bearing our sins. He was not guilty. He was innocent. But he was perceived as guilty. Because he took upon himself, willingly and obediently, our sin debt. Grace is not cheap. It is a precious gift to be cherished that's given to us from God. And in the next episode, we will see why. The beauty of why. As we continue to look at the beauty of grace. God bless you today.